Hello, happy people, and welcome back to another episode of 65 and Counting. I'm your host, Adam Fry. I'm a certified Medicare planner, and I'm here to ask the important questions that you want answered by industry professionals. This show is for everyone and anyone coming up on that important milestone of 65 years old. That means retirement, it means Medicare eligibility, or it means that you're just plain interested in the world of retirement planning. Whatever it is, on this show, you'll hear from the people that know it best. Welcome back, everyone. We've got another great episode for you this week. So this week, it's time again to have David Edge come on the show and read you March's American Retirement Advisor newsletter. So I don't want to delay him any further. Let's bring him on the show to read it. Here he is, everybody, Mr. David Edge. Hi, folks. Welcome to the reading of the American Retirement Advisor newsletter. This is 65 and counting. So we're going to read March of 2021. It's volume 21, issue three. And oh, by the way, we'll include a link so you can download your own copy if you'd like to. All right. So on the front page, we have an article by David P. Schaefer. Feelings or facts? Today is not too different from times in the past where monopolies control large portions of how we receive our news and information. Broadcast media, radio and television, Facebook, including Instagram, Twitter, and Alphabet, Google and YouTube, control most of what we see and hear. Remarkably similar to when the newspapers were the prominent provider of early in the 20th century. Today, instead of just being a news deliverer, Television uses its platform to push a specific point of view, left and right politically, unfortunately. Depending on what channel you select, you'll feel the shift in one direction without any consequence for misinformation. In my opinion, news facts are being overshadowed by personal and political viewpoints. For example, yesterday I watched a television anchor twist the interviewee's words, an attorney, to make it sound as if the information he presented in a trial was somehow suspect. However, the fact was the defense's presentation was accepted by both the prosecution and the judge as accurate. Yet the news anchor led the interview in the direction of his viewpoint, creating suspect and doubt about the evidence and naturally causing his listening audience to follow from a suspect viewpoint when that bias was not factual at all. The attorney in the interview tried to intercede, maintaining a calm demeanor, explaining in no uncertain terms that the conversation was skewing the evidence and facts during the interview and was not okay. The news anchor was trying to stir debate. Why is it acceptable to change a proven fact into conjecture for debate? The anchor was eventually flustered after continuing to stir up the interview content by repeating the same comments three times. What has happened to just presenting the facts and letting the listeners make their judgments on the facts? Feelings matter. Opinions matter. Some things don't always go the way we would like. Twisting the facts to make it right for some but hurt someone else? To what end? As humans, we hear what we want to hear based on the information provided. Media makes money as you consume their content. It's how they create value. The media has determined that if it bleeds, it leads. The more sensational, the more controversial. The more views, the more listeners, the more shares. The more shares, the more that flows back to the content provider. That's the backbone of social media. What happened to the standard of truth for broadcasters? There are always multiple sides to a story. 
I heard it said, there's your side, my side, and the fact. Please give us the facts and two opinions and let us decide the truth from the most convincing case offered. I'm kind of tired of one-sided stories delivered to pit folks against folks, literally. Perhaps one day presenting the facts will be more profitable than creating a sensation. On her next article, by David Edge, March On. March is that time of year where spring is in the air or winter is still going strong, snowing and cold where you live. And while the nighttime temperatures in Arizona are still cool, the day temperatures are already hitting 80, 90 degrees. But no matter where you live, March usually heralds better weather. So as some of us are getting ready for St. Patrick's Day, bring on the green, others are preparing for baseball spring training, and in some parts of the world we also start daylight savings time. March got its name in the Roman times as a tribute to the god of Mars, both in the Julian and Gregorian calendars, and was originally called Martinus. This month was considered the start of a new beginning. In Roman times, this month was the start of a new calendar year. I believe the farmers of that era probably had something to do with this. Oh, and that phrase, beware the Ides of March? In case you're wondering, it was a soothsayer in Shakespeare's Julius Caesar who warned Caesar, beware the 15th of March, when telling him his life was in danger for the next 30 days. And so now you know. Happy March. Okay, our next article is going to be a safety article by Sharon Colbert Groves, and she's talking about COVID depression. While people are focused on following local guidelines, we all know them by now, there's an area many have overlooked and denied, depression. Research shows extreme social distancing, similar to those taken during SARS, Ebola, and the H1N1, could cause short-term and long-term problems such as stress, insomnia, emotional exhaustion, and substance abuse. Even our children are having depression issues because they don't have interactions with friends. Also, because we are homebound, divorce has become a real issue. So some suggestions. If you're retired, living alone and required to stay at home, you may have had to give up your social circles, volunteer activities, religious services, and recreational activities. That's social isolation, and it's associated with 50% increased risk in dementia. Another factor is that many of us have lost something during this COVID isolation. Spending 15 minutes each day writing or talking with a loved one helps us feel connected. Find ways to help others. Maybe you call to check on a friend. Perhaps you drop off food for a neighbor. Figure out how to be there for others. It will help give you a purpose while building a connection. Participate in the live virtual events. Religious services, entertainment, and educational events over Zoom and other live streaming platforms can keep your mind working and give you an opportunity to socialize. Organize a watch party. Find a movie on Netflix, cable, or TV and gather people to watch it. By the way, don't laugh, but our circle watches The Waltons, The Andy Griffin Show, and Little House on the Prairie. No violence or politics, just wishing for a return of the good old days. My daughter and I have actually started reorganizing all of our family pictures. We have found ourselves laughing, crying, and remembering. This has brought us closer and we appreciate each other in a totally different way. Walking or cycling is so beneficial for us. Dogs love and need walks for their socialization and for mental well-being just like we do. 
When this first started last year, I wrote about sitting in front of my house and chatting with neighbors as they walked by. When the weather gets a bit warmer, I intend to do it again. Let's see if I can remember all the names of the children and dogs from last year. Also, does anyone remember how our parents wrote letters or sent cards? I believe this is a lost art. A friend from back east mailed me a Christmas card with a heartfelt note inside, and another took the time to handwrite a two-page letter to me. I was so surprised at how good it made me feel. In describing this to my granddaughter and grandson, they said, well, why don't you just text your friends? This was a teaching moment. I explained it means so much more to know that someone cares enough to write you, and it's so much more than a cold text. Yet, our young people still feel the need disconnected. You don't feel that way when you go to your mailbox and receive a card or a letter, right? So now we take the time to mail each other something that says, I sincerely care about you. All in all, while we can experience emotional stress or depression, maybe when this is over, and it will be over one day, the positive result is that we sincerely appreciate the hugs, the human touches, and perhaps have even grown closer to one another. Do not be afraid to discuss this issue with your doctor, as they will be able to help. Okay, our next article. Why Am I Me? by David Edge. Are you feeling lucky? Hmm. Have you ever had any good luck? There are some who would say, if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. I think that was from an old skit in an old hee-haw show on TV. But what has been your experience with luck? Whatever it was, and whenever it was, good or bad, it made you, you. When luck comes to mind, several memories draw nigh with that thought. Remember the line in the Dirty Harry movies? Good old Clint Eastwood standing there with a huge 44 caliber pistol asking the punk, are you feeling lucky? Or maybe it was Frank Sinatra, old blue eyes, singing, luck be a lady tonight. If it were your coach or teacher, they would tell you, luck is when opportunity meets preparation. Or maybe it was your boss at work and they told you, I'm a great believer in luck. The harder I work, the more luck I seem to have. Like most folks, I've had my share of good and bad luck. Last year, a bad luck experience was I had to go to the emergency room with a terrible infection. I was in the hospital for 10 days and then daily follow-up visits for three weeks. The good news? They saved my life. Lucky? I think so. Now, I've never won the lottery or anything drastic. But I can tell you I consider myself lucky for a poor kid who grew up with a single parent in a not-so-good neighborhood. If someone would have told me as a kid where I'd wind up, I'd have told them, you're crazy. I've traveled the world to visit over 30 different countries. I continue to have a successful marriage to my charming bride of 40 years, and I love what I do helping folks with retirement education and choices. So, what were your lucky occasions in life? Not all lucky moments involve financial gain. With everything going on right now, take a minute and reflect on your lucky memories. Selecting your Medicare plan or when to start your Social Security benefits and even putting your retirement financial plan together, there's no luck. Education and preparation are the key to making successful choices. Call us. We can help. Okay, our next article is by Mark Fry, and it's the financial tip of the month. The Internal Revenue Service, IRS, sent out more than 159 million stimulus payments since the CARES Act was signed into law on March 27th. Now it's sending out millions more checks in the second round of payments. Folks are wondering, 
Is my stimulus payment taxable? The short answer, no. And the more precise words of the IRS, no, the payment is not income and taxpayers will not owe tax on it. The payment will not reduce a taxpayer's refund or increase the amount they owe when they file their 2020 or 2021 tax return next year. A payment will also not affect income for purposes of determining eligibility for federal government assistance or benefit programs. Not your average tax credit. The stimulus payment, or economic impact payment, as the IRS calls it, is technically a tax credit for 2020. Some people assume that the IRS will add the amount to your income generating a bigger tax bill, or reduce your future tax refund when you file your tax return next year. Neither is correct. In the tax world, a tax deduction is a good thing. It reduces your income, which reduces the amount of tax you owe. If you had a $50,000 in income and had a $5,000 tax deduction, your deduction would reduce your taxable income by $5,000. If you were in the 12% tax bracket, you would reduce your taxes owed by $600. Remember, 12% of $5,000. A tax deduction is good, but a tax credit is great. A tax credit reduces your tax bill dollar for dollar. If you owe $1,500 in federal income taxes and you get a $1,000 tax credit, your tax bill sinks to only $500. A refundable tax credit is the best. A regular tax credit can reduce your tax bill to zero, but it can't turn your tax bill into a tax refund. Refundable tax credits can. For example, if you owed $1,000 in taxes but had a refundable tax credit of $1,200, you'd get a $200 tax refund check from the Fed. Because if you qualify, you're getting what amounts to a refundable tax credit now in the form of a stimulus payment, rather than waiting to get the money from the credit in 2021 when you actually file your 2020 tax return, you're in effect getting an advanced refundable tax credit. I hope this helps. Feel free to schedule a free retirement income appointment with your American Retirement Advisor representative and see how we can help maximize and protect your retirement income. Okay, our next, our next article is by Laura Lee Drummond, and it's Medicare at Work, making Medicare guidance and transition one, two, three easy at work. With any luck, spring will be around the corner for our friends in the state still braving the cold and snow. I know you're anxious to put away that snow shovel, pull those spring bulbs out of the basement, and get them in the garden for a glorious, colorful April blooming. Gardening was one of my passions when I lived in the Midwest. Now my passion is helping people transition to Medicare. I traded blooms for smiles. One of the Medicare at Work blog articles this month talks about an employee we helped decide on her Medicare plan. Her coworkers thought they helped by telling her she had to enroll when turning 65 or pay penalties later by delaying it. She called us very worried. We dispel the gossip by well-meaning co-workers. Then we looked at her plan options. It was her luck that we were partners with her employer. We compared her group plan to Medicare and showed her why Medicare might be a better option for her even though she was not required to transition yet. Read about her surprise and her decision at themedicarearchitects.com forward slash blog. Do you know of a human resource professional who would like to increase their superpowers? How about sharing their contact information with me? 
We're here to help guide employees and employers in clearing the confusion of Medicare. Thank you, Laura, that was great. Okay, and now we have Tammy Semler with our Medicare moment. The COVID-19 vaccine, what is it and how does it work? I seem to get asked at least, at least once a day what my opinion is on the new COVID-19 vaccines. It seems the anxiety is caused by fear of the unknown and with the news media spinning things to meet their own agendas these days, it's hard to know what is fact and what is fiction. So I set out to get information on these vaccines from some very credible resources. I delved into information provided by the Mayo Clinic, the New York University's Longyon Vaccine Center, and UMass Medical School, home to some of the foremost mRNA biologists in the world to get answers. The vaccines from Moderna and Pfizer BioNTech Bio both utilize messenger RNA to create immunity to COVID-19, meaning they do not use the actual virus to create immunity like other vaccines do. Our DNA is located in the nucleus of our cells and it holds the instructions for more than 20,000 coding genes of the human genome. Because DNA is fragile, it cannot leave the nucleus, so it creates an exact copy of instructions and sends it out via messenger RNA or mRNA. The mRNA delivers protein building instructions to our cells who begin building and replicating those proteins. These proteins are responsible for cell life, replication, response to stimuli, metabolic activities, etc. Researchers have found that COVID-19 cells have proteins that look like spikes on the outside of their cells and the mRNA inside the virus responsible for building the spike protein can be isolated and replicated. The vaccines contained mRNA from the COVID-19 virus responsible for the creation of the spike protein. When we receive the vaccine, the mRNA gives instructions to our cells to build these spike proteins. Our cells go to work creating these proteins and the mRNA is destroyed. Our immune system recognizes this as a foreign invasion and builds antibodies to rid ourselves of the spikes. In theory, our immune system should destroy all of the spike proteins and then keep the information for us for use in the future if COVID-19 re-enters our body. The spike proteins alone cannot give you the virus. The Madera vaccine is showing about a 94.1% efficiency rating, while the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine is, has about a 95% efficiency rating. Since these were fast-tracked through the FDA, there have been no long-term studies on how the introduction of a piece of the DNA from the virus with coding instructions will behave long-term in our bodies, although considerable work is being done in the mRNA field by UMass Medical School. Now, whether or not you get the vaccine is up to you, and it's important that you make an informed and educated decision. Original Medicare and Medicare Advantage plans will cover the vaccine 100%, so if you decide to get it, you should not be charged a copay or coinsurance amount for the vaccine. For more information, you can check these articles out online. And on this, on the, and in the newsletter, she has several of the directions of where to go to sites, and you can get all this information and get as much of it as you want and read through these things, and it makes it real clear and gives you additional information so you can make an intelligent decision about what you want to do. Okay, we get to our last article, and here we are. 
Uh, Success Story of the Month by David Edge. Cost too much. Barry and Robin have made an appointment with us, and when I got them on my computer virtual, uh, via a virtual meeting, I could see their smiling faces. After we all exchanged cordial greetings and asking if they were safe and healthy, the meeting got down to business. They were very familiar with American Retirement Advisors as we had already assisted them in research on their Medicare health coverage as well as reviewing the most appropriate time to turn on their Social Security benefits. As usual, I asked, how can we help? Barry's mom had passed away after a lengthy stay in a long-term care facility and luckily his mom had long ago purchased a long-term care policy that took care of almost everything between the policy benefits and her monthly Social Security check. Robin was quick to add that they did not have such a policy in place and were concerned about how they would be able to pay for such a service if anything happened to either of them. Barry added, we don't want to spend our life savings paying for long-term care because it costs too much and what would happen to the other spouse after we run out of money? I reassured them that this indeed was a serious issue most folks ignore and long-term care expenses is one of the top reasons folks go bankrupt in retirement years. Around 70% of folks will need some sort of long-term care in their lifetimes either at a facility or at home and women are almost twice as likely to need this service as men. Having long-term care plan in place doesn't necessarily mean you need a policy, I stated as we continued the discussion. There are multiple ways to receive care. First, in many cases, a family member will assist with care for an elderly parent or relative, but this can create issues as we look at the age and health of the caregiver and their ability and training to actually provide proper care. Second, we can always go shopping for a long-term care policy, but the older you are, the more expensive these policies can become. And just note, your health gets you a policy, not money. Third, you can actually have coverage through your retirement funds as some financial products offer long-term care riders that provides money in the event you go to long-term care facility. Provisions and all these options have many variables and require some serious research. Well, we don't want our kids to have to worry about us, Robin was quick to add. We didn't have very much to worry about financially with Barry's mom because she was prepared. I explained that we have guideposts on this topic and we will send those to you as soon as possible so that you can become better educated on all your options. I also reviewed what financial expectations they had and offered to research long-term care solutions that would meet their goals. And finally, we reviewed their assets to determine if their needs would be better served with other retirement income producing products that would also add a layer of long-term care financial protection. They were both relieved that there were more options than they realized, and we set a date for our next appointment where we could review more factual remedies after we can complete research on their half. As usual, you guys are great at helping us understand how this all works, Barry exclaimed. Does this sound like an issue you've been struggling with? Call us. We can help. Thanks for listening, folks. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the American Retirement Advisor, and remember, you can go to our website and download the copies, and there's even past copies available if you'd like to catch up a little bit. So have a great month. Wow, what a great episode. Thanks, Mr. Edge, for coming on and reading the newsletter, and thank you, everyone, for watching. Now, don't forget to like this video, follow our page, and most importantly, share it with all your friends. And as always, everyone, have a great week.